Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If this is your first time joining us, we're in a series called Fight for the Fam. And we're learning some key truths in this series. Number one, that family is God's idea. It's God's chosen relationship structure for people. And we're also learning that it's the best place for people to form, even though Families are good and bad, people are flawed, moms and dads have shortcomings. Family is God's choice and first community to develop people. And that's why we're talking about fighting for the family because those things are true. It means that family is under attack. Families have been under attack since the beginning uh, of the family with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter three. And there are forces that are against God's chosen idea for people, God's chosen plan, his creation order. So we are rising up as men of God who believe in God's priority of the family to fight for the relationships inside our families and marriages, fight for our children, fight for the health of the family. And today's focus is gonna be on children. Just some quick factoids about men and children. 80% of men right now living today who do not have children, want children. 47% of men living today have children, all right? They will have a children, they'll have a child, or they have children. 70 million men presently in the US are fathers. Now let's talk about the child side. Did you know that today, 171 million children are orphans? globally. That means they don't have a dad in their life. 42 million people are sexually trafficked, most of whom are young girls, and 75% of that 42 million are between the ages of 13 and 20. So what do we learn? Men desire to have families and have children. Half of most men on the planet will have children. Our connection to children as we're learning in parts one and two and our proximity to them affects them in such powerful ways and changes the trajectory depending on our connection with children. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna get God's mind on children. We're going to adopt his mind on children in faith. We're gonna advance how he thinks into our living, and then we're gonna apply his truth toward relationships with children right now. So it doesn't matter if you're a brother, an uncle, uh, a father, or a grandfather, if there are little people, or forming young adults, or teenagers in your life, you really need to listen in. And so what I wanna do is I wanna start by adopting God's mind on children. And we see God's mind through Jesus's actions in the gospel. In Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15, it presents a little picture of God's mind through God's man, Jesus, on earth with respect to parents and children. Listen to this little scenario. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples, scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads 
and blessed them before he left. So what you see is you have parents with children, parents, plural, all right, moms and dads, they're bringing their children to Jesus, and then there's a type of thinking in the broken male culture of Jesus' time, and it's in his disciples, and the disciples are like, sorry, no kids, all right? And then Jesus breaks the rules of the broken male thinking of his time, and he says, let him come. And so I wanna unpack just a few observations uh, that we get by watching Jesus in action. And by watching Jesus in action, we get God's mind on families and parents and children. And number one, we need to see that we need to seek God's blessing for children. We see parents seeking God's blessing for children. Hey dads, hey uncles, hey older brothers, hey grandpas. You know what your number one goal in those roles connected to children should be? is to bring children to Jesus. That's what we see modeled here in scripture. We bring children to Jesus. We introduce them to Jesus so that they can encounter Jesus. Why? Because Jesus likes children and children like Jesus. What a contrast to the thinking that was going on with the men around Jesus. And Jesus says that children are dependent, they implicitly trust, and this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. In fact, that's the basis for the second observation, and it's this, we need connection and contact with children. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. So what are children like? Well, children are definitely a couple of things. They're definitely dependent, right, on their parents, and they implicitly trust. And it takes a certain kind of intuitive and strong humility and faith and simplicity uh, to depend and to implicitly trust. And Jesus is saying those dynamics are what the kingdom of heaven is like and what our relationship is like with God. We can't learn that from adults. We can learn it, Jesus says, from children. Where children know that like no matter what, that their dad, their family, they're, it's gonna take care of them, all right? That's what they believe at least to start off with. And that is exactly the mindset. That is exactly the dependence. That is exactly the implicit trust and faith and humility that makes a relationship with God really work well. The third thing we wanna observe by this little vignette in the Gospels is we need to be taught about God by children, okay? Kind of flows with that last point. We need to seek God's blessing for children. We need connection and contact with children. We need to be taught by God about children. I don't know about you, but some of the greatest theological and deep spiritual truths I have ever learned have come to me from my children. You know, just even having as a father a child sitting in the cradle of your, your chest, you know, that's a picture of how God 
cradles us and loves us and that connection of father to child and that connection of father to child, right? Some of the things that have come out of kids' mouths, right? Unfiltered but true, they teach us about having an honest relationship with truth, truth about ourselves, truth about situations, truth about others. You know, before their innocence is spoiled, they're just truthful. So we need to be taught about life and relationship with God by children. And then last observation, we need to see and welcome and confer blessing on children. That's the model. So if you're in contact with any children and you're a follower of Jesus, if you're God's man, what did Jesus do? He saw children, he welcomed children, he conferred blessing uh, on children. That is what Jesus modeled. So, especially for you young dads, if you're looking for a template, just look at Jesus and look at um, this, this picture and look at these observations and build your life around that. You can't lose. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 127. Verses 3 and 4, it says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. You catch the words? Gift, reward, and arrow, right? So what do we think of when we think of gifts? Well, when we receive them, we're happy, all right? Someone has thoughtfully given something to us that we don't know what it is. We gotta, we gotta unwrap this thing and we gotta engage this thing and we have to experience whatever is wrapped inside that gift. That's like a child. Children are gifts from the Lord. Now, what comes out of their bodies isn't always a gift, but Children are a gift from the Lord on all those other dimensions, but you know the, the patience they build into us, the, the opportunity to teach and mold and shape uh, and love and what they give back to us, they are a gift. They're also a reward, right? They're a reward of covenant marriage, of oneness. The reward of oneness physically, spiritually, is a child. They're also an arrow Right? Now imagine, you got an arrow, you got a quiver. All right? We put it in the bow. We train our eyes. We draw the, go the bow back. And then, boom. We release the arrow toward targets for impact. Think about that. Dads, your children are gifts from the Lord. They're rewards of covenant marriage. And we have the opportunity to train them, aim them, and then let them fly to be salt and light, salt by contact, light by contrast, in a dark and dying world to glorify God. So, what are we gonna do now? Let's talk about how we fight for the children in our lives. And I wanna, I wanna have a core passage, which is John 13, 34, and 35, and then we're gonna unpack that and he's gonna teach us how we fight for children. So let me read the passage, John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So there is Jesus, the Son of God. We are children of God. 
and Jesus is training us. And what we want to do is we want to look at what Jesus models with the disciples and with us. And then what we want to do is we want to reproduce that model with our children. All right. And the first thing we see Jesus doing and what we need to do is I give them a pattern of living to imitate. I give them a pattern of living to imitate. Now, Jesus uses three words a lot when he's with the children of God, with disciples. And there are these three words. And if you printed out your notes, they're right there. It's just as I. Jesus will say, just as I do a certain action, fill in the blank. And then he calls them to imitate that pattern of living, all right? I call it show how mentoring right? I do, you watch, you do, right? That's what Jesus did. Whenever he says, just as I, it's show how mentoring. Dads, you need to show how mentor your children. Grandpas, you need to show how mentor your grandchildren. Uncles, you need to show how mentor your nieces and nephews. Older brothers, you need to show how mentor your younger siblings, all right? So I do, you watch, you do. And Jesus lived in such a way that he could invite men to focus on his pattern. And there's the rub, isn't it? You have to live in such a way, men, and strive to be loving God in every way you can, loving people in every way you can, and then you issue out of the, the strength and integrity of your life the invitation that Jesus did which is just watch how I do it and do what I do, right? Jesus says this in John 13, 15. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So there's another dimension of show how mentoring. It's how you treat them. So Jesus treats us a certain way. And then he calls us to reproduce how he treats us and we treat others that way. And then when we treat others that way, we call them to treat others the way that we have just treated them. There's a ripple effect from Jesus to you, from you to the children in your life. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. He says this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. All right, so that's the invitation, men, to relationship and then imitation of Jesus in every dimension of our lives as a man. He lived as a man, he walked as a man, he related as a man. There's our model, it's Christ. Imitate Christ and then invite the children in your life to do as you do. So here is your family fact, all right? We follow the example we focus on, all right? now. Again, the problem is if your pattern of living is unhealthy, you're not gonna invite people to imitate you. It's just human nature. Why? Because we, we know that there's something not right about inviting people into unhealth, right? And you have to be able to call your children into your pattern, dad. You know what happens typically when dad's pattern is not healthy? They bail. They realize that they're not serving their family or serving their children, and they shouldn't bail because there is a pattern 
that flawed men can follow and fail forward so that they can get to a place in their shortcomings and also in their successes where they can call also flawed children into a pattern. So it doesn't matter where you're at today, all right, with your connection to children, get your pattern of relating and living for God and for others right so that you can give it away to the children in your life, all right? Now, the second way we fight for our children is we give them a foundation of love. In Jesus's final huddle with the disciples, John 14, 15, 16, all right, he, he talks with, with certain language that just goes back, he just keeps revisiting the basis for the relationship, which is a foundation of love. In John 15, 9, he says this um, to the disciples. He says, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. So again, foundational. He's going to his foundation, and then he is taking that foundation and giving it to the disciples. And then he says this, make yourselves at home in my love. Now, when you think about that language, Jesus is going to uh, a metaphor that communicates rest, comfort, acceptance, intimacy, being fully known, and being fully loved. He's going to the concept of home. Um, If you want to know what your home is supposed to feel like, men, It's supposed to feel like an environment of being fully accepted, fully loved, where people, children are fully known, flaws and all, mistakes and all, right? And where they feel safe and they feel peace and they feel assured and they feel worth. Uh, Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, on this whole idea of fighting for the family and giving children a foundation of love. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 says, watch what God does. Okay, there's your foundation. And then you do it, right? There's show how. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious. He didn't meter it out, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. That is foundational. All right, you see the language in there? Watch what God does. Do what God does. Mostly what God does is love us, keep company with God, learn a life of love, observe, get into, watch, study how Christ loves you, and see that it was liberal, not stingy and fear-based. It was extravagant, all right? And he didn't love in order to get something uh, back, but he just gave everything of himself and love like that. What a call, all right? Now, here's why giving children a foundation of love is important. Your next family fact is this. We give love as we've received love, all right? 
Now, here's a truth that is underneath what we just identified. We give love as we receive love, but if we don't receive love in a foundational way, in the home or in the context of families, listen to me, you will live out of what you lack. Children will live out of what they lack. If they're in deficit in their first community of acceptance and extended family and family and moms and dads and uncles and brothers and sisters, if they're in deficit, gotta understand that the human soul is hardwired to give and receive love they will fly like an air-to-air heat-seeking missile and seek out wherever they sense or whether the appearance of acceptance and love is. And those places outside the family unit aren't always healthy places to receive the love that their soul is seeking. Now, if, if I personally am unloving to children, all right. If I don't have the capacity to be loving, that means that I've not received internally and experientially and emotionally God's pervasive love. All right? And that's, that's a first step. If you're watching me today and you're having trouble uh, loving the children in your life, you gotta have, a, have an experience with love and an encounter with love and be filled up with love and possess love to give away healthy, proper love, right? Now, some of us miss that in our families, but man, I'm telling you, there is an infinite supply of that kind of pervasive, transforming, healthy love in God through the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm just gonna tell you, if you're struggling to love, all right, and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, say yes to him right now. Just say yes to Jesus and get that foundation of love in there and let God love you and then reproduce that love in the lives of the children. Now, here's the other side of the coin, which is more challenging for those of you who are watching this and are believers, right? If you have encountered God's love through Jesus, if you've experienced God's extravagant, sacrificial love through Jesus, and you're not giving that same love away, you need to get your mind right about what God wants you to do. We're supposed to give away the love that we receive. In fact, every way that God treats us, forgives us, he loves us, he encourages us, he supports us, he serves us, he sacrifices for us, we're supposed to do with other people, all right? So for every believer in Jesus that has encountered uh, God's love, uh, you need to give that love away to your children in the same measure, as best as you can, all right? So, what are we learning about what God wants us to do with our families? We gotta give them a pattern of living to imitate. We have to give them a foundation of love. Why? Because we follow the example we focus on, and we give love as we've received love. Third, we give children their truest identity. All right, now Jesus is doing that in this passage. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What's Jesus doing? All right, he said, you're mine. He tells them 
uh, their number one identity. And that's as a disciple, you belong to God, you're a child of God, you're a disciple of Christ. And he's telling them that because there is an outworking of that identity that they now have. It's sort of like, you know, when dads tell their kids, you know, you're a Luck, or you're a Jones, or you're a Johnson, or you're a Smith. You know, there is an outworking that is expected of that inner identity. Well, that's what Jesus is doing with children uh, of God, his disciples. He's saying, you're a follower of God. You're, you're mine. And that identity, all right, that directs your energy. Um, look at what the Bible says here in John 14, 12. Just another uh, powerful identity statement as Jesus is preparing to leave the disciples. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, right, you're identified with Christ, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's a family statement. Anyone who believes in me will do. All right? In fact, I want you to just kind of say that to yourself wherever you are. Anyone who believes will do. Anyone who believes will do. Right? That's identity. I'm a believer. Right? And then that's energy. Will do. In fact, that's our family fact right now. Write this down. Perceived identity commands energy. Right? Whatever my self-perception of my identity is, there's a way to be, a way to believe, and a way to behave consistent with that identity. All right? And children, they're developing their self-regard. They're developing their self-perception. And just like Jesus speaks identity into children of God, into disciples of Christ, into us, and he tells us who we are, right? He says, you're a disciple. You're my follower. You're a child of God. And then that self-perception pervades how we perceive ourselves and how we regard ourselves. That perceived identity commands energy. Now, let me just tell you why it's a fight. That self-perception of who children are, there is a war on for all the children in your life. Whether you're a dad or an uncle or a grandpa or an older sibling or an uncle. Just know that there is a recruiting war for how children perceive themselves, their identity, because if you win identity, you win energy, and then you'll win an expression that will either bring life to that child or pain and suffering to that child. And there's a lot of fake, false identities that have a lot of purpose and meaning. And what's true about all of those fake identities, there's some level of acceptance that adopting that identity is worth doing because of the acceptance. So as we've been talking about in this series, identity commands energy. The world and culture is fighting for how your children will think about themselves. The devil himself is lying, using lies that appear just like culture and just like 
what's popular, all right? To get children to think about themselves in a certain way. And listen to this, God uses dads, grandpas, uncles, older siblings, older mentor friends to help shape the perception, the self-perception of children, to give them a healthy self-perception and identity. So important. That's the battle uh, that we're in, man. Um, the fourth thing, all right, that we need to give children to fight for our families is we need to give them power through permanence. Power through permanence. Now, again, we're going to go back to Jesus's messaging to his men, right? And it's, it's twofold. He says, just as I, okay, there's the pattern of imitation, just as I loved you, right? Uh, God's eternal love, it's, it's, not, um, it's not temporary. It's permanent. The world's uh, attention and affirmation and affection is temporary, right? So God's love is eternal and permanent. Uh, worldly love or meaning and significance and attention, right? That's temporary and will not satisfy. And that's the war that we're in, all right? We wanna give children that sense of permanent, pervasive love. Again, God's given us permanent, pervasive love. We can't lose it. Now, we are to give children that sense of permanent, pervasive love, listen, that they don't have to perform for. Now, if you're like me, uh, there's a lot, there's so many men out there like me who you were performing for your pop, all right? I was a military kid, you know, the, the, the philosophy of family and our family was if you, if you performed under the accountability and authority in our home, then you got the acceptance and affirmation. So there was always this anxiety of, have I done what I'm supposed to do? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Have I done enough of what I'm supposed to do so that I can get the approval and affirmation of the person that I idealize, which is my father, right? That acceptance through performance situation creates anxiety in kids. So dads, you know, if you're hard on your kids, if, if you're pushing them and pushing them and pushing them, there's nothing wrong with success and hard work, right? I appreciate those things that my dad taught me. But when there's anxiety over, I have to perform for your acceptance on the athletic field. I have to perform for your approval and acceptance and academically. If I have to perform for your acceptance socially, I have to perform for your acceptance, you know, in whatever dimension of their life. Um, that's unhealthy, right? And that is not the way that God loves you, right? God gives us peace and rest and worth through the permanence <coughs> of his love. Now, when that happens, some cool stuff happens, all right? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You see, Paul is explaining in the previous verse, in verse 
13 of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, if we're out of our mind, it's for God. So what's happening is, is that the love of God has so permanently and pervasively gotten in to believers that people who are watching their lives are like, these people are different. These people are acting transformed. These people used to be this way, now they're this way. And the Apostle Paul in this passage, he's just explaining what has gotten into them, all right? And he says the love of Christ uh, controls us. So if that's true on a spiritual level, that permanent and pervasive love that you don't have to perform for has gotten into people and it is so secured and assured them that now it starts flooding out of them in the form of new behaviors and a new and better motivation, okay? Not because they're gonna lose it, but because they have it. And they're so grateful and they want to respond. It's taken over them. They have, they have drank deep at the tap, all right, of God's love and his love is flowing in them, it's taking over, it's commanding their actions that are new and that are healthy. They have what the Bible calls a new wine, they're consumed by it, and it becomes, listen, the controlling agent, okay? Everybody's seen a drunk person, all right? What happens? A spirit gets into a, a man, it takes over their whole body because they've, they've had too much to drink of it. It controls their words, their actions, they get sloppy. This is kind of the picture where in Ephesians, Paul says, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? In the book of Acts, he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's just that the love of Christ has gotten into them. So if that's our example, dads, grandpas, uncles, older siblings, all right? the children that you're in contact with, what do they need, right? They need the permanent, your permanent love, pa the power of that, all right, of permanence in their lives. That's why in Philippians chapter four, Paul can say, he can talk about the power of God's love working in his life, that it's always there. He says this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, life is like a bowling alley. You read the book of Philippians, the book of, of First and Second Corinthians, you just see that Paul's plans get knocked over, unplanned things happen, interruptions, shipwrecks, persecutions, hardships, flogging. And what's weird about Paul is that he is content in each and every circumstance. Why? Because he has power through the permanence of the love of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Listen. Kids need to know that not only do you love them, but your love isn't going away. And when the storms of life enter their life, they can weather those storms, because they know. They know in the family that they're permanently loved by the man of God in their life. Here's your last family fact. We act secure when we feel assured. So Paul, as he's talking about the love of God and how it's controlling him, and that he can be counterintuitively content in all circumstances, even though everybody knows what he went through, and it's like, you're weird? He's like, no, I'm not weird. The love of Christ controls me, right? And he starts talking about the gospel and how God's love has invaded his life, and so he's not gonna live for himself, he's gonna live for God, and he's not worried. Circumstances don't define him. The opinions of people don't define him. Uh, 
His old achievements don't define him. His new achievements don't define him. The love of God defines him. Man, that's what kids need. They need that power, that contentment, um, that assurance, that security, all right? So that when things around them, which will happen, uh, get a little shifty or unplanned things happen or interruptions of life, they can be secure in the permanent love of their earthly father and their heavenly father, double power, all right? That's what kids need from us. Now, the greatest battle in fighting for your children, right? In giving them a pattern of living they can imitate, of giving them a foundation of love, of giving them their truest identity, right? Giving them power through permanence, right? The greatest battle is your time. And we've got to, again, we've got to look at Jesus. Look at what this says here in the Gospels. This is just John chapter 1. This is when Jesus is just beginning his kingdom work, right? Winning children of God. It says this in John chapter 1. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. So you have children of God, creations of God, wanting to become children of God, and they're asking the Son of God, hey, where are you? They're following him. They want time with him. How does Jesus respond? He responds with an invitation. Hey, come and see. And it was about four in the afternoon, and they went with him, where? To the place where he was staying, all right? Not to the place where he was temporarily located, not to the place where he was leaving, not to the place where he was gonna be for 30 minutes, but to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him, how long? For the rest of the day. You know what children need? They need men who, when they sense that the people next to them need time with them, they say no to their agenda and they say yes to people. And they give them the most precious commodity children covet, which is time with you. You see, this is your next fill-in. Love to a child equals time. It's spelled T-I-M-E. And if you want a takeaway for how to apply all the things that God has just spoken into us, all right? You're gonna have to make a decision, some hard ones, about where you're putting your time. This whole idea of, I don't spend a quantity of time with my kids, but it is quality when I'm with them, that's a myth. That's a lie men tell themselves because they're saying yes to career, yes to golf, yes to all their hobbies, and that all takes the most precious thing that communicates love to kids, and kids are watching, they're interpreting, and what they're saying is, I'm second, or I'm third, or I'm fourth, or I'm fifth, or I'm not even a priority. That sends a message into their little spirits that they're not worth your time, which then messes with their whole self-perception, which then, because their soul is hardwired to, to, to be loved and accepted, they go, well, I guess people don't have time for, for me here. 
I guess my dad doesn't have time for me here. The men in my life don't have time for me here. When these people over here in this community, they say they have time for me. And I guess I'm gonna go there and do whatever they want me to do because I wanna be accepted. I wanna belong to a family. Do you see the war going on? And so dads, especially you young dads, you gotta get this into your spirit right now. Time is love, love is time, right? And the idea is this, for all guys connected to children, do less for the kids in your life and do more with the children in your life. There's a huge difference, all right, between the material and the provisional and the interpersonal and the emotional reception that you doing more with the kids in your life means to them. And who's our model? It's Jesus himself. Jesus fought for us. He said no to heaven. He said yes to a messy earth. He came and he manifested himself and he spent time with us and he sacrificed for us and he introduced us to God. He fought for us to be a part of his family so that we could feel safe and loved and secure and experience the intimacy that is part of being in a family of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He fought for us. And those men who Jesus fought for, who became a part of his family, and they've experienced his pattern, his foundation, their truest identity, um, their permanent love in him, Jesus now calls us to give that to the children in our lives as they're forming their own little self-perceptions and identities, all right? And it's never too late. See, there's chronological children and there's adult children, all right? And sometimes the biggest need for older men, older people, older adult children is they need these same things. And you'll never lose. But especially with children, children need these things. They need to be deeply loved. And then guess what happens? Just like God deeply loves us, they learn how to deeply love, right? And so what we want is we want God's love to control us. And we want to experience that, and then we want to give it away to children. So let's pray into those two dimensions. We want to experience God's love, and then we want to give it away to the children he's placed in our lives, all children. All right, bow your heads. God, thank you that you've given us a pattern of life and living as men that we can stand with both feet planted. You are the model. Jesus, just as you are, we want to be. Just as you have loved us, we want to love. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with yourself. Fill us with an awareness that, that Jesus is our model, that you live inside of us and you're calling us to imitate you. God, thank you for the foundation of love. God, thank you that the thing that you spend most of the time doing is loving us 
out of our fears and out of our anxieties and out of our insecurities and out of our worries, Lord, by your presence. Help us to do the same thing with the little ones and the not so little ones in our lives. Just help us to give them a foundation of love. Love them the same way that you love us. And, and God, help us to speak identity. Help us to speak identity into our kids that they're made by you, that they're made for God, and that one day they'll go to God. Help, them, help us to help them become followers of Jesus. Help us to remember that their truest perceived identity commands their energy. And then God, just as you permanently love us, that it can never be taken away, and that gives us so much peace and assurance in the midst of just falling short. God, help us to love our kids and win the greatest battle of all, to give them our time. Even Jesus, as you said no to your own home, left it, gave us your time, and you continue to give us time. Help us to love children by giving them our time. And this we ask in Christ's name, amen. Fight for your family this week, and we'll see you next time. One spirit empowered man changes many things. for watching our national broadcast. If you felt connected to today's message, there's a couple of things that you can do. First, you can subscribe to our daily devotionals. Each day, you will receive via email a new man's daily devotional for you to go deeper in your walk with God. Now, second, you can sign up and be a subscriber to our Everyman platform. We have hundreds of custom curated curriculums for you and your men to do Bible study together. We also have special documentaries, films, and even music from our Dangerous Good Conference. We want you to be a part of our growing community of men that are being transformed daily to become what God always intended them to be. Now to subscribe, just go to our website at everymanministries.com and sign up today. Thanks so much for watching and God bless.